Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. How do you know when your opponents are really stupid? When senior fellows at major think tanks don't even understand basic civics. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page, where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founder, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours. Truly, you can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. Use that coupon code PODCAST, get 25% off all classes Use the coupon code MANIFESTDESTINY, get $80 off my latest class, The Age of Jackson. That coupon is not going to last forever, but the coupon code PODCAST is good. But you want to get the $80 off because that's the lowest price you'll ever see that class. Awesome class. And in fact, it kind of works with this show today. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on the support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way that way or go to Spotify for podcasters or click on the heart button under the video if you're watching on YouTube. All those are great ways to support the show financially. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Leave it a five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. Helps get more eyes and ears on the show and send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. All right. Let's talk about this piece that was at the Hill by a senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute. And I was... I was shocked by this piece, frankly, because the whole premise of the piece is based on a complete lack of understanding of how things work. And this, again, this is a senior fellow. This guy's written a book published by the University of Chicago Press on Congress, and yet he doesn't even understand how the election would work if a presidential election is thrown to the House of Representatives and to the Senate. He doesn't understand how it works. It's amazing. It's like he just kind of read a part of the 12th Amendment and didn't read the whole part, and he didn't read the U.S. Constitution to this effect. It's absolutely amazing to me. Now, this would be a really interesting scenario. The, the point is, what, he, what he's going to talk about here, is that let's say no president gets a majority in the Electoral College. No candidate, I should say, gets a majority in the Electoral College. Well, what happens? Well, the election goes to the House of Representatives for the president. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's designed in the Constitution. He's really scared of this. He's really scared of it because he thinks, well, uh, the Republicans probably going to win or some crazy thing's going to happen. I mean, look, anything can happen at that point, but only in a certain way. Now, I haven't done the research on the back-end part of this. I meant to do it, but I ran out of time before this. So, 
we'll just give some hypotheticals. And I think I know the, the general numbers, but we'll just give some hypotheticals on some things. Now, the vice president, the election of the vice president goes to the Senate where they have to choose between two candidates. They have to choose. right? So, I mean, we'll go ahead and read the 12th Amendment because the 12th Amendment is the key to understanding all of this when we get to that point. Uh, and this is really interesting because what the scenario he plays out for the vice president can't even work. It doesn't even work. This is fear-mongering at the highest level that's just really stupid. So the, the guy that wrote this piece is named Kevin Kosar. He is a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, and he is the co-editor of Congre Congress Overwhelmed Congressional Capacity and Prospects for Reform. This is a major University of Chicago Press 2020. It shows you that... Oh, he also hosts the Understanding Congress podcast. This dope doesn't even understand Congress himself. He doesn't even understand the 12th Amendment. He doesn't understand basic American civics. What a moron. It also shows you that you can get a book published, and I've said this before with academic presses, you can get a book published through an academic press like, I don't know, uh, Kevin Levine on Black Confederates. That's completely ridiculous. And yet, they'll publish it anyways. You see? Just because it's with an academic press and it's peer-reviewed doesn't mean anything. This is the funny thing. All right. So, let me get into this, to this piece because it's just really, really funny. He says, one thing I worry about is a contingent presidential election. <laughs> first of all, the first line, I, I lay awake. And I worry about this contingent presidential election. Oh my gosh, I sit here and I would lay awake at night and I can't think of anything else but a contingent presidential election. The mental insanity here is real. Why would you even worry about that? At all? That would be like on, on the list of things to worry about. I don't even know where it would rank in the top, I don't know, in my life, like one million there's so many other things to worry about than a contingent presidential election. First of all, we haven't had one of those in a long time. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But to worry about this is is mental insanity. I mean, you seek help. Look, I'm going I'm to tell Kevin Kosar, go seek help. This is not something to worry about. He says, that situation arises when no candidate gets a majority of electoral votes, 270 of 538. Should this situation arise, Congress gets to pick the next president and vice president. Well, that's true. But there's a caveat to this that he doesn't even mention. He makes it seem like Congress in a majority. So look at what he says. Yes, you read that correctly. The 535 folks whom 80% of Americans dislike make these momentous decisions. The 535 folks, well, they don't do it that way. Now, in the Senate, they vote individually, but not in the House. You're going to have an even smaller number in the House. I and mean, he probably hates that, but it's going to be a smaller number in the House. In fact, it's only going to be 50, as I'll explain. 
50. Okay? Yes, these are the same folks who nearly shut down the government and ref who refused to fix the broken immigration system and who have run up more than $33 trillion in debt. Now, this guy is supposedly a conservative, but again, this is sad. The American Enterprise Institute is kind of conservative. But it's sad when these people don't even understand, again, basic civics. And who can forget January 6th, 2021, when some legislators refused to recognize states' electoral slates and sparked a riot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, uh, if there's any fraud, they should just accept it, right? If there, there's, you can't question that there might be some issues, some irregularities in this. We, I mean, that's, that's the job of Congress. Well, I don't know about this yet. Let's, let's make sure everything's on the up and up here. If it is, good. If it's not, then we have to do something about this. That's all the question was. What could go wrong? He says, what could go wrong? Oh, by the way, run up more than 33, yeah, 33 trillion in debt. Yeah, so, I mean, look, Congress is awful. There's no doubt about it. But he doesn't understand how this system would work. So he says, my smart readers might now rub their chins and reply, well, how likely is that scenario? Some of them might even point out that there has not been a contingent election since 1824 when John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, and Henry Clay split the votes. Now, there was attempts to do it after that. There were, there were times when, uh, when people were, for example, in the election of 1836, there was an effort to do it there to try to get the, the election thrown to the House of Representatives. It didn't work. Martin Van Buren wins, but there was an attempt. So he says, true, but the odds of it are occurring are growing. Landslide victories, think Ronald Reagan versus Walter Mondale in 84, or Richard Nixon versus McGovern in 72 are growing rarer. For the past six presidential elections have been very close. In 2020, had 44,000 voters in Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin pick Trump instead of Biden. We've had a tied election, 269 to 269. Come to the come the 2024 election, the chances of a contingent election may go higher still, according to a recent report from United to Protect Democracy. That, that sounds like a great organization. The reason is that no labels, an organization that says its mission is devoted to bipartisan problem solving, is threatening to run a third-party ticket. Whether they select Senator Joe Manchin or New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu or some other heterodox figures to run, you can be sure it will be a serious ticket. Oh, yeah. Serious. It's going to be serious. Now, look, I'm not saying it can't happen. But look, we, we had 1992. You had Ross Perot, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Uh, Bush. And we didn't get a contingent election there. Look, Ross Perot was leading at one point in the popular vote until he backed out and then got back in. And 96, he runs again. We've had some pretty strong third-party candidates. I'm not so certain people would go that way. Look, the Democrats are committed to the Democrats. I mean, they're going to pull D no matter what. It doesn't matter. You could run anybody there, and they're going to pull it. And, of course, you are going to get hardcore Republicans who are going to vote R no matter what. But the Republicans are more willing to split the vote. But if the Democrats just pull D, guess what? They win. The Democrats are committed to political kneecapping. I've said this before. They are the thug party. Literally, they will go out and cut your kneecaps off. They don't care. They just want power. 
And they're going to do anything to get it and anything to take it. And if it means solidarity and holding their nose and voting D because it gets them power, they will do it. Republicans are a little more nuanced, generally. I mean, this is, I mean, this is in general. But this is how it works. Just like RFK Jr. People think RFK Jr. is going to hurt Joe Biden. He's not. What he's going to do is pull votes away from the Republican candidate because he has positions on war, supposedly, and some other things that Republicans like. Now, I think that I mean, it's, he's a charlatan. but And I've said before that he's interesting, at least on war, but so many other things. He's just a standard leftist. Uh, so, I mean, but he's going to pull votes away from conservatives. And he knows it. Look, I mean, the campaign's even come out and said it. They're going to pull votes away from whoever the Republican is, not the Democrat. He says, because No Labels is a serious organization, they created the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House, and they are very good at fundraising. Already the group has secured space for its unity ticket on the 2024 ballot in 11 states. Let's not forget that there is public demand for something other than Biden and a Biden-Trump rematch. More than half of voters do not want Biden or Trump. Okay. If No Labels pulls the trigger on this effort, it will be the most real third-party run in decades. For sure, I am sympathetic to their objective, but I am worried about the probability of it failing and the cost thereof. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Where's this guy from? For sure. I'm uh, for sure. Which brings me back to the contingent election. It seems highly unlikely that no labels would outright win 270 electoral college votes. Well, I agree with him there. There are just two. Uh, look, I'll say this. No labels wouldn't win anything. No labels wouldn't win one electoral college vote. I mean, they might win a state. But the Democrats, they're going to pull from Republicans, and it would force the Democrats to win. It would be a landslide election. Because what's going to happen is the never-Trumpers, you don't have many never-Bideners. Again, you could run anybody there, and the Democrats are going to pull the lever. The never-Trumpers would vote for Joe Manchin. They would vote for somebody like that. And then, of course, you, you take the people that are a little more principled and they would, you know, well, I'm principled anti-war, so maybe, you know, RFK Jr. But, of course, his statements on what's going on in the Middle East shows that he's really not anti-war. But um, it, it's, or anti-American involvement in wars. I'll say this, you know, that's, that's the issue. Uh, Israel can do what it wants. But American involvement there is the real issue. And we're sending billions of dollars over there, just like to Ukraine. That's the real issue. I've said it before. That's the problem with all of this. He says, there are just too many Americans who cannot imagine voting for anyone other than Trump or Biden. Alabama, Texas, Massachusetts, and California, there are plenty of states where their choice for president is going to be whoever's on Team Elephant or Team Donkey. Thus, the duty falls to Congress, and unfortunately... There is no law that specifies exactly how Congress should carry out its duty. Um, there is. It's called the Twelfth Amendment, which he mentions, and the U.S. Constitution. There is. It has to be done in a certain way. And he says all we have is the Twelfth Amendment, which only has only broad procedural directives. Right, so the Twelfth Amendment echoes and mirrors what's in the Constitution on at least how this has to be carried out. If you thought January 2021 counting of electoral votes was a train wreck, you have not seen anything yet. 
legislators would have all sorts of incentives for mischief. A partisan majority in the House could, for example, choose its speaker, then fail to decide who is president by January 20th, which means a speaker could become president per the succession statute. Or to take another possibility, a determined minority might thwart the House from choosing a speaker, which leaves it unable to even take up the business of selecting a president. Now, if this happened, and it's clear in the 12th Amendment, and it's clear how this is supposed to work, the votes would be by state. So there would only be 50 votes. So here's how this would happen. You take a state like Alabama, which is generally... You know, uh, you're going to have one Democrat in that legislative group, that legislative contingency coming from Alabama. The rest will be Republicans. So what's going to happen? They're going to go for the Republican candidate, whoever that is. You take a state like California. Republicans are in the minority. They can't do anything there. The few Democrats, the Democrats that control that caucus, that group, that legislative delegation from California, will vote for the Democrat. And this will happen across all the states. So let's read the 12th Amendment. It says, The person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person have such majority, then from the persons having the highest numbers not exceeding three, on the list of those voted for as president, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. So the top three go to the House. Now, if there's three people, then it would be you know Biden, Trump, and Joe Manchin, right? And it would go to immediately to the House, so they would choose. But in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by states, the representation from each state having one vote. A quorum for this purpose shall consist of a number or members from two-thirds of the states, and a majority of all states shall be necessary to a choice. So guess what? You need 26, essentially, votes for president. 26 votes. Now, in some states like Delaware, there's only one vote. I mean, you know, they get one. Rhode Island gets one. Wyoming gets one. Now, before, you know, if it was a member of the House that was a never-Trumper, they could vote for the Democrat, right? But all you need is... 26. All you need is 26. Now let me say something about this. I went and checked my math. Republicans control 25 delegations. So they would need one to flip it for Trump. Now I'm not saying that's possible. Or one could flip it for Biden. Right? So you could have, there's 25-25. One of those Republican delegations could say, I'm going to vote for, for Joe Biden in this case. And you get 26. It's 26 24. So it's 25-25. Some of the delegations are evenly split. There's like there's two or three states where it's evenly split. You got uh, an equal number of Republicans and Democrats. So maybe they go for the fusion candidate. I mean, that's possible. But you would get a situation where somebody would flip. And this happened. Look, it took over 30 ballots for Thomas Jefferson to be elected president. It could take some time. But they would immediately vote. And it would be by state. And it would be based on the current congressional makeup at that time, which is what we've got right now. So it could be very, very close. Uh, but one of the major candidates would win. It would be Biden or Trump. Uh, there would be some deal cut. But I mean, look, it is by state. It's not by you know, a voting block. This is where 
uh, the piece is a little misleading here. I mean, that's the funniest part because it's like, oh, 535 members get to decide. Now, for the for the Senate, for the for the Senate and the Vice President, uh, he says this. Uh, he says, meanwhile, the Senate might slow walk its choice of the Vice President. Should it be controlled by the same party as the House? Well, in that case, it's not, right? The Senate is controlled by the Democrats. So, I mean, there you could say, well, you could persuade one of these split delegations. They could be completely deadlocked and not vote, right? I mean, all you got to have is a majority. There could be abstentions. So if there's a couple of abstentions, well, now, I mean, yeah, we're running into a situation where 25, so it's 25-25 if those split states, and again, I think there's three of them, go for the Democrat. But right now, it's actually 25-22, I think, where the, uh, where the Democrats are in the minority. So in that case, if it's a majority, it doesn't say it has to be 26 or 24 if all the states vote. Just two-thirds of the states have to be present. So in reality, you could have three states that can't come to a decision and their votes all cancel out and they have to vote nothing. They just vote present because that's all they can do. Well, what happens there? Well, then the Republican wins. I mean, that's a clear possibility. So I think in many ways, the Republican comes out of the House in that scenario. If it's Donald Trump, it's Donald Trump. I, I really do think Trump would win. It would be close, but I think Trump would win. They do control a majority. So if three are split, the Democrats can't do anything about it. I mean, if those three went for Democrats, but the Republicans probably aren't going to do it. Now, unless they're Republicans or never Trumpers, maybe they go for the Democrat instead, Joe Biden, and then you get 25-25. Maybe one of those Republican delegations is a never-Trump delegation. They know the Democrats are going to go for this, and they go for Biden. Maybe they just look at it and say, well, Biden got more popular votes, or whatever it is, whatever decision they make in that state. That's what they would do. So that could also happen. There's a scenario there. But it wouldn't be this chaos that uh, that's being discussed here. Now, in the Senate, they get to pick the top two candidates. So he says, meanwhile, the Senate might slow walk his choice of the vice president should it be controlled by the same party. Or if the Senate is led by a different party from the House, which it is, the upper chamber might rush through his choice of vice president so that he could ascend to the presidency. Things get even crazier if the Senate president pro tempore decides she wants to be president. No, it can't because they have to pick from the top two. That's a scenario that can't even happen. While the House dithers, she might try to scuttle Senate action on the vice president and get herself elevated to the presidency come January 20th. No, they have to pick the top two. The 12th Amendment is very clear about this. It says this, the person having the greatest number of votes as vice president shall be the vice president. If the number shall be, if the number, if such number be a majority, the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person have a majority, then from the two highest numbers on the list, the Senate shall choose the vice president. A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the whole number of senators. And the majority of a whole number shall be necessary to a choice. So, uh, I mean, you can only pick the president pro tempore cannot be president. They have to pick from the top two. Just like for the, you have to pick from the top three. You can't submit a new name. You can't do anything like that. You got to take the top three. 
And in the case of just Biden-Trump, right, you got to take the top two. There's nobody else that can be there. They would have to pick one of those two people. So all this hand-wringing over here is just strange. It's like, it's like Kevin Kosar has never even read carefully the 12th Amendment. Now, again, the whole number of all the states, so 25, 26, it'd have to be somewhere in there. Uh, but two-thirds, it says two-thirds is a quorum. So if you only have two-thirds, how do you get the whole number of all the states? Right? I mean, that's an interesting question. He says, whatever the results of the legislative scheming, a huge percentage of voters would feel disenfranchised by the mere fact that legislators did the choosing. A reader might be mistaken for getting the impression that the authors of the Project Protect Democracy report prefer no labels to pull the plug on his presidential campaign planning. Doing that, however, would not foreclose the possibility of a contingent election. Well, he's right about that. I mean, if you don't have a third party, you could still get this. I mean, he is correct that razor-thin majorities... Something like that could happen. He says, My own preference is that Congress would take time to pass a statute to clarify the process that each chamber should use to decide a contingent election. They don't need to. It's in the 12th Amendment. They can't pass a statute overriding the 12th Amendment. The vote has to be done by state. You get to pick from the top three in the House. The vote, I'm sorry, in the Senate, it's... I mean, it's majority of the senators pick from the top two. So in that case, what happens? If it's the Democrat and the Republican, it's just the top two. You would leave out the no labels person, whoever that was. The Democrat Republican, well, guess what happens? The Democrat is going to be chosen as vice president. So Kamala Harris would be vice president again. It's 51-49, right? The House is the only place that you see a little bit closer Majority, but I mean, look, I could see it going the way of the Democrats if those swing states were able to persuade some of the, you know, never Trumpers or whatever. So you could go, you could see like 26, 27, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Or 25, 25, it could be deadlocked. That would be a really interesting scenario now if that happens. But I think if that happens, you would have something go on to where uh, one of these delegations that's like a one so you know looking down the list who do we have well you got north dakota you know you got south dakota you've got wyoming this is where <laughs> this is where it would be really really interesting in uh in wyoming um and you know let's say you have a never trumper there or something well that person could vote for or south dakota or north dakota that person could vote for Biden. It would be really interesting, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's it, if it's if it's um, you know even if it's razor thin, like four to three in the congressional in the House, the Democrat has no no say in any of this. You know, like for in Alabama, it's six to one, right? The Democrats not going to have any say. They don't get to vote. The six Republicans would vote now in Alaska and Delaware and. You know, places like that. And I mentioned three Republican states. Rhode Island, of course you have it. They're, the one vote is the state vote. You know, let, let me look down the list here where, some, where it's razor, razor thin. I mean, you know, for example, North Carolina is split. So that's one. 
that you might have a hard time. I mean, what, what happens there? Uh, Minnesota is split. Michigan is split. Or it's very close. 6R, 7D. Right? So you got two states where it's evenly split. Two. And I don't remember who the representatives are from those states, but you could have someone that's a never-Trumper, and they could say, you know, or you could have someone that just hates Joe Biden. They're not going to do it. But the, the Democrats aren't going to go for Trump. So the, the only flip would be a Republican going for the Democrat. And, I, I mean, I think you could see that happening. Um, you know, potentially. Potentially. So it would be an interesting scenario. Um, in places like Hawaii or Idaho, where you have two, or Maine, um, or New Hampshire, you know, but you might get a split there between the Republican or between the Democrats or the Republicans, maybe, but probably not. So this would be interesting. There would have to be, they would have to come up with something. But in, in the case of the Senate, they're going to vote for quickly for wherever the Democrat is, and that's going to be it. That that would be it. And so if there's no president selected, well, um, we know that uh, once this happens, right, once we get the election results, there is a time period. It's not like it's not like this would happen in January. This would happen in November. So there there is, you know, a couple of months before we have to swear anybody in. Joe Biden would still be president, Kamala Harris would still be vice president. They would have a couple of months to decide the issue. There would be some deal cut somewhere to get somebody in. And that would be it. It would be Trump or Biden at that point. Um, and with the razor-thin majority the way it is, I said earlier in the podcast, Trump, I mean, thinking about it, it might be Biden. I don't know. But this would not be the chaos that this guy talks about. It would be pretty straightforward. And again, it's by state. There are already rules and regulations in place with the 12th Amendment. This it, it's just, it boggles my mind why somebody would say it's not there. All right. So, funny situation how people would actually wring their hands over something like this. I don't think we're going to see a, what's called a contingent, what he's calling a contingent election anytime soon. I said at the beginning, I don't think you're going to get that. Um, it's possible, but I don't think you're going to get it. I think you're going to get a majority in the Electoral College without really any question. But it was good podcast fodder. See you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. <laughs>